0: Screw it, screw it, we're just talk, talk about, about comics. Hello and welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics. That's Comic Books, everybody. Um, <clears throat> the only podcast where two brothers talk about comic books. Um, <clears throat> probably not, but that's what we say. And one of the two brothers, my name is Will Hines. I'm the other brother. I'm Kevin Hines. And here's our deal, we're both comedians-ish, um, and we uh, teach improv And we're big comic book fans and we've loved them since we were kids. And so in this podcast, we talk about the comics that we love or are interested in at least. Kev, would you agree with that description of this podcast? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think we've discussed any comics that I don't personally, uh, I don't think we've gone over any comics that I don't love. We've loved every comic we've talked about, I think. Yeah. Yeah. uh, there's definitely been some seasons where I've just picked things you've never read, but, but other than those, I think we both have loved everything that we've mutually chosen, for sure. Even the new stuff we've done, like um, Black Hammer and Bang, I've really enjoyed, so I mm-hmm. retroactively loved it. It's not what you said off when we weren't recording. That's what I went. I, I had to go, go hard and criticize it, because that's just for me trying to push you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It um, was mean. It was mean and personal. I got personal about it, yeah. I got a lot of stuff off my chest. Anyway... We uh, are talking about Marvel's secret Marvel superheroes Secret Wars, the original Secret Wars series from uh, the '80s, and yep. uh, we're really excited about it. And this episode, we're going to go over issues five and six. Yeah, these were written by Jim Shooter and mostly penciled by Michael Zach, Mike Zach. Um, uh, we're going to cover issue five. We're going to do a quick recap of issue five, that was drawn by Bob Layton, but then we'll cover issue six in depth, and that was drawn by Mike Zach, the regular artist of the series. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm loving this series. I, I'm loving it way more than I expected. Uh, I think it. I think it's fun. I think it's really fun. I think actually, uh, I would even go so far as to say it holds up. Like it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I was uh, because we're doing this. I've been reading, trying to find interviews when people talk about this or, or blog posts about it just to see other people's opinions. And one person referred to this as like referred to Jim Shooter as like his writing style as being from the uh, Silver Age. Um, um, yeah, like like sixties Marvel, like Stan Lee yeah. stuff. Yeah, it very very much is that style. Yeah, and we've commented a little bit on like this feels like he's trying to do Stan Lee. And then I sort of thought to myself, I was like, I wonder if this was like the last gasp of like Stan Lee, mm-hmm. uh, like the Stan Lee era. Like the comics had already kind of gotten smarter and better with Frank Miller and Byrne and Walt Simonson Claire and Stern, Mons. like. Claremont, of course, uh, uh, and the artists were kind of getting in out of the house style. There was more and more variety to the art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, people weren't just doing like a Ramita uh, uh, polish on a Kirby layout that yeah. had been kind of been going on for a while. and I wonder if this was sort of like this last gasp of like it's almost like if you could if Stanley had written this, you'd look at this as like this is the end of the Stanley era. yeah, uh, and now we'll we'll go into the new era um or if it had happened a few years earlier you could almost say that if it, it 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 feels like the stanley era ended and then this like last bubble popped up through the surface and it yeah. was this i wonder what 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 the comic is that ends because if this is the last gasp then it's continuing something that had largely worked since the early 60s was it like claremont's x-men being such an enormous hit and really having its own specific tone i think i mean you, you can't go wrong picking... Cla- I mean, I would say it's either Claremont or Frank Miller's Daredevil kind of doing such... Yeah. Though You know, you could say Storanko did that with S.H.I.E.L.D. like what, what Miller's doing with Frank... You know, Daredevil like his own little thing in his pocket. I feel like the X X-Books doing were it such a revolution. I, I mean, at I mean, the time changed, we were yeah. collecting, that was like something that was said. It would be... It was almost like there was Marvel Comics and that just meant all the comics except for the X-Books and then the X-Books. And there were only two. But like Yeah, I mean one from a, a large chunk of time. Like maybe at this point there's still just had New Mutants started yet? I don't know. I think yes, but maybe just barely. Oh, like, I mean, that's crazy. That for like this they were like the mini series now there's though. never there's never less than like fifteen X books now. Yes. And for so long they were just like just Claremont doing X Men once a month. And have you talked to people about comic books at this time, nineteen eighty three, eighty four? I'm thinking of conversations I would have had like in junior high school or high school. Do you do you like comic books? A pretty common answer would be like, uh, only the X Men. Like people identified with liking yeah. the X Men. It was like already becoming a thing. Which might go in hand in hand with like what we were talking about last episode with like the X Men sort of get short shrift. I mean, they get a lot of focus, but like they lose a lot. They don't they don't come off looking They're low like, status often. They they don't look like tough characters. They don't look like they're up to the level of the other characters. They're like sort of scrappy underdogs to the side. Yes. Um, And I guess if that was your book and that was the main book and that's the most popular book at Marvel, it is sort of crazy that they weren't. Yeah. Because generally the more popular you are, the more powerful you are. Yes. Um, Then again, it had been relatively recent. It had been probably only the last three years, which is nothing in comic book time. And for all the people creating Secret Wars, Shooter, Zek, X-Men are like a blip on their emotional radar. Like. They're looking back to 60s Marvel as the things that inform them. Spider-Man is the precious metal. It's probably why they were able to pull it off because it's sort of like no one cared about the X-Men. No one's looking at the X-Men. Even as it's getting good, they're like, well, that's nice for a little bit. Yeah, this is a nice little fad. This is almost as big as werewolf by night, says some of them. Though, you know, I say that also knowing like Spider-Man was kind of so up and down during this era that like. Uh, before Roger Stern got an amazing, it was just sort of like this run of sort of fill-ins and different writers and just sort of like mediocre stories. It's like, what a way to treat your franchise character. It is strange how cavalier they were with Spidey when it's like, he's your moneymaker. Like, isn't he supposed to get all the attention? Put your best people, put your best people on Spidey. Everybody probably wants to write it too. You'd think so. Yeah. But maybe not. Uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, Secret Wars is very Stanley, and, um, uh, but it's, it is working. Great! I lo- I'm glad I love you're enjoying series. it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk real quickly about issue five that we're not going to cover in depth. All right, Kevin, give us give us the recap. Okay, right, So great. So uh, when we left off, what was happening? Um, Galactus was doing something. Galactus had begun doing something. So Galactus <laughs> summons his home uh, to the Battle World, presumably to eat Battle World. That's his move. Uh, meanwhile, Johnny mind melds with uh, the healer from the village whose name is Zaji uh, and falls in love with her. And they also spend like three pages just recapping the previous four issues. Yep. Uh, Meanwhile, the villains molecule man takes down the wrecking crew because they insult his, uh, uh, his girlfriend Girlfriend. Volcana is his new girlfriend. Then they fly off together. Enchantress tries to seduce doom by promising to like cure his bad face uh, but he doesn't fall for it. Uh, meanwhile, Professor X and Reed Richards separately try to communicate with Galactus. Reed by like waving his arms and Professor <laughs> X by uh, using his telekin- uh, tele- uh, pa- telepathic powers. I almost said telekinetic powers. Telepathic powers. Uh, Galactus gets annoyed and blasts, knocks Reed down and blasts apart the X-Men base. Yes. Uh, and then he sends a robot to fight the heroes that they take down pretty well, to be fair. Uh, then while they're fighting that robot, the villains attack the heroes. The X-Men show up to join in. Uh, Galactus gets distracted by the big fight for the merest blink of a second. And Doom sneaks into Galactus's ship. Um, the villains run away. So then the X-Men run away. Except they leave Colossus behind because he's too hurt. And Col- Colossus falls in love with Zagi, who uh, is healing everyone. And also is who Johnny Storm is in love with. Um, and then Doom sees something in Galactus's base, and that's where the issue ends. Sort of a, kind of a, a tepid uh, cliffhanger. He just goes, a, what's that? Yeah, a vague one. It's like, yeah, <laughs> something's happening, but we have zero indication as to what it was. And there's no real payoff to it in this next issue. Like, he's just working on a machine. <laughs> but uh, that's what happens in issue five. Okay. Um, anything you want to focus on, Will? Yes, two things. One, the X-Men are fo- featured on the cover pretty heavily of issue five. Yes. And it's like the second time they've been featured on the cover. So even if the plot is treating them sort of like little brother doesn't get respect, Kevin, that hurts for you. Mm -hmm. um, They're getting a lot of respect. I get get a lot of respect. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting a lot of respect with their cover placement. Um, Yeah. It even says like the X-Men finally strike back or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I want to focus on within the issue is a very small thing, (laughs) but it's that Dr. Octopus twice says easy pickings in like two pages and it's really funny. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Um, he says, um, when they first like ambush the heroes, um, and, and Captain America screams, yells, dooms men. Uh, Dr. Octopus says they're battered and exhausted. Easy pickings. But then um, I can't quite tell who is saying it, but um, one of the other villains says, yeah, if that mount we dropped on him last time didn't kill him, no way they're easy pickings ever. And then three panels later, in the middle of the battle, Dr. Octopus is like striding across the fighting area. And he says, cut down that star spangled fool first with him dead. The rest will be easy pickings and it just makes me laugh that it's like he's trying to really like he learned it and he's trying to force it and like get a reaction. He said easy pickings. Somebody else said they're not easy pickings. And then he once again goes, they'll be easy pickings. I don't know. I'm, I like to imagine a fake backstory where Dr. Octopus is like reading some book in it's like a 20s detective novel and says easy pickings he's like easy pickings. I got to I got to work that in the battle today. That sounds pretty good. There is this subtle thing going on at the beginning, not of this issue, but where um, when when Doom kind of spurns the bad guys, Doc Ock sort of takes charge. Yeah. As sort of like, sadly, the next best leader uh, of villains. Yeah. Um, and then Doom shows up and he immediately loses control of them. <laughs> so the, I feel like throughout this, is like Doc Ock sort of feels like that it's Doom's men and Doc Ock's like, oh, man, i got to really show them. i got to show that I'm... <laughs> A threat. Well, I said it last episode, but all of the Ditko characters, they like, they have a lot of prestige because they're famous Spader- Spider-Man villains, like the Lizard and Doc Ock and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they carry a lot of like clout because they're part of like this super popular superhero mythology. But then they also carry. The curse of the weird Ditko visual design, like sort of impractical power set, and it's like here comes a fat middle aged man. I know I shouldn't be body shaming, you know. I can hear Dan Slott telling me no, but like you know, <laughs> not a classic villain physique. Sure, right. With four metal arms striding across, just grouchy. Magneto is old, but like ripped with forty five abs. Get forty five abs and this and this terrific silver hair, you know, and yeah. And then Doc, Doc Ock, Ock shows up and he's like, oh, this will be easy pick. It's like, shut up, Doc Ock. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It does. Ditko characters, they're so hard for other people to make look cool. <laughs> Ditko pulled it off every time he drew them. But then yes. like a lot of artists, like they struggle with it. Sometimes they look cool and sometimes they don't. It's yeah. really hard. Or to make them menacing. Yeah. I love Doc Ock and I, and I, I disagree I mean, with everything you said. <laughs> he is the... He is always the villain in the very best Spider-Man stories. It's not Green Goblin. It's Doc Ock. Um, my two things. Since you picked two, I'm picking two. Uh, uh, one is Doom sneaking onto Galactus' ship. It's a cool plan. Yeah. It, it it backs up my theory that this is a Doom story. This is the Doom is the protagonist that we're supposed to be following. He is the through line. Yes. Uh, he is constantly doing things while everyone else is just sort of fighting. Yes. I uh, but then my other thing is when uh, X-Men, when Professor X summons the X-Men to go help the heroes, he like terrifies Colossus. Colossus flies out of his bed in fear. Uh, and this is very funny to me. Like Professor X summons them constantly tele- telepathically. Yeah. Either people shouldn't be scared of it or he should learn to turn it down. Yeah, he just wanted to be a little quieter. Um, like Colossus looks terrified. It looks like ter- Colossus wet. Th- and Colossus is strong. Yeah, probably not e- strong, even non-metallic. Uh, uh, I know he's he's, uh, he's a he's a muscular hunk. Uh, yeah, he's got no reason to be nervous about being woken up in the middle of the night. He can handle it. Yeah, uh, but he just gets knocked out of his bed by a telepathic summons from Professor X's head. Colossus, <laughs> come at once! <laughs> ah, yes, yes, Professor X, at once. Anyway, it made me laugh. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's all we're going to talk about issue five. All right. Let's get into issue six, an excruciating detail. <laughs> yeah. Too much detail, mm-hmm. many would say. Um, um, a good cover, sort of a... Um, parallel. Uh, the the, uh, the parallel to the first issue. Now right. it's the villains, the villains launching instead of the heroes. of us. It's a good drawing. It, they look tougher here than they should. Like how many... Well, maybe not. I was going to say how many people here have formidable powers, but with the... With Titania and Volcana, they've they've really upped their power, right? I mean, uh, and also Claw has been resurrected, right? Or reformed, uh, or whatever. He will be in this issue, so sort of the cover gives that away to big Claw fans. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Ultron's super powerful, and Galactus and Doob are very powerful, right? Um, but then it's the Wrecking Crew absorbing Man. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. Absorbing Man goes toe to toe with the Hulk, sort of, but he always seems outclassed. In every fight I see him, man, he's yeah. just like, oh, "I'm gonna turn into a rock and yeah. fight these guys." And like, the thing is, like, yeah, that's I'm better at that than you. Yeah. Uh, and Doc Ock looks like he's flying a little bit on that cover, but I do love this cover as well. It was in the last issue where Absorbing Man and um, the Wrecker compare wrecking balls. That was pretty funny. Oh yeah, it was the last issue. Um, uh, also, last issue had a milksop. Yes. The there comes the milksop and his cow. It was like sort of yeah. A, uh, Tony Labra emailed to point that out to me before I even finished my reread. He's like, "Hey, catch this part." <laughs> um, we catch all the milksop references. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to miss a milksop. Issue five's got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, so this cover's great. Yeah, all the. I mean, I'm completely won over to Secret Wars. Not, I was never <laughs> against it, but I, I assumed this was going to be sort of like watching a cartoon you loved as a child where. It's exciting and you can see why you liked it. But with your adult eyes, you can see, oh, it's kind of shoddy and weird. I'm loving Secret Wars. And this issue also, Will, was one we definitely owned. I I remember reading this issue in issue four. I think this might have been the first issue I read. Uh, and then you might have gone back and gotten issue like three or four, whichever uh, the other one was. I like that it. I think you had before this. Yeah. But I strongly remember this opening. Cause also these characters I don't know these characters so like this opening features the Wasp who I'd never heard of yes um uh, I I don't think I'd ever even heard of her right um so uh oh I mean, you know what she probably showed up in like a Spider Man annual or something one of those digests but I barely knew her yeah um and so like I don't know it it, it, it this sucked me in just being like who are all these people comic books. <laughs> Um, the splash page is her flying the ship she stole from, uh, Magneto. Yeah. And she's sort of, bumbled, she's crashing it around. She's not flying it very well. Yeah. She says you'd need five tentacles to drive this thing or two and a half chauffeurs. Right. Because Wasp, uh, lives in luxury is her Wasp likes the game. finer things. She later on talks about needing, uh, I don't even have an emery board and I'm 37 trillion miles from my manicurist and it's her day off anyway. Yeah. That feels like a very Stanley-ish dialogue. Yeah, it's a little better than Stanley. I mean, it's got some specificity to it, right? Right. But in that sense it's also less fun than Stanley. Like you've traded in sort of the bombastic silliness trying to make it a little more realistic, but it's not that realistic. Yeah. So it sort of he it it as I've said numerous times now, it feels like someone trying to be Stanley, but like only Stanley can be Stanley. Yeah. Um, so although it is working for me, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I like it too. Uh, fun sound effect here when the ship crashes, she goes, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yep. She crashes her ship. She doesn't know what to do, but then like the some ship, sort of, the ship shows her, the ship shows her like a little map with like a, a glowing dot. So she's like, I guess I'll go there for no other reason. And these, machine, then, these machines then, were all created by the beyonder, right? Like the beyonder like just kind of made these headquarters for them. It's unclear, it's never said, maybe maybe he created them, maybe they came from the planets he ripped apart to make this battle world, yeah, he just coincidentally picked a planet that had an empty layer, yeah for I Super mean, I don't know it it's strange, it's very strange it as I said, it's sort of like as I said this is written like sort of a Stanley guy, and it's the scenario is very much a Jack Kirby playground, yeah, just like. If you need a big, complicated machine, draw it in. You don't need to explain why it's there or get into too much detail. I also don't know how much of this was done in the Marvel method or not, but there's certainly sequences where I'm like, "This doesn't make any sense." It, does Jim Shooter just trying to make the most sense of it as he can, or was this his, was this his idea? Right, uh, well, right. One of those moments will come up in a little bit. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, Wasp crashes a ship and then blows it up with her sting stingers. Yep. For no purpose that I can see, except it does look kind of cool just to see her blast something. Yeah, I think just to see her use her powers. Um, she flies across the the myriad landscapes and finds the spot where the ship told her to go. And um, and Excuse she, me. it's like a swamp area. Yes. And um, she's kind of resting there and trying to figure out what to do. I think it's kind of funny. She has a little conversation with herself. Yeah, she's both nervous, but also like, you know, trying to steal herself or what's going on. She, I mean, she has, she's on a planet. She has no idea where on this entire planet her friends are. Yeah, or what creatures could be around. Mm-hmm. But coincidentally enough, she's attacked by the lizard, Steve Ditko's the lizard. Um, yeah, Steve Ditko's the lizard is here. So, and he's throwing, he's throwing trees and he's just mad at the wasp, just yeah. rampaging. Just that's his move, right? When he first showed up in Spider-Man, he just sort of threw things around the swamp. Yeah, um, in Florida, uh, we cut away to Galactus's home where Doom is. We see what he's found; it's just some sort of big ray machine, mm-hmm. and he's operating it. He's Doom, so he just starts flipping switches and pushing buttons, and he and out of the machine comes Claw, the Black Panther slash Fantastic Four villain slash Avengers villain. And master of sound. Right. And this is really just sort of insanely random, right? Like, Doom is just hit... There is no justification for this. They explain it all. I mean, it is convoluted. Because um, I guess Claw was sucked in by Dazzler, who I guess fought Galactus. And she, he, she zapped Galactus. And somehow... So that gave claw's energy to galactus to reconstitute like they do explain it in comic booky ways that that part actually how claw is living in galactus's ship as energy i consider that well explained within the low bar of comic okay. book logic what's not explained to me is doom is just fix it futzing with a machine and it produces claw yeah i mean doom can't help but be a genius <laughs> When you're doom and you touch a machine, something amazing is gonna happen. He says like that is, he says like, Oh, these machines are so advanced, they can sort of intuit what you want and give it to you. That's what he is saying right mm-hmm. before claw shows up, but he didn't want claw. So that doesn't no. make sense. So that's the part where I was like, they just they just had to throw claw in here. Also, claw is insane and sort of just talking in sort of like a sing song, like a an manner. And in since this is my first uh, uh, run in with Claw as a fan, this is Claw to me for so long until I just realized kind of he was like nuts. an actual threat. You know, I thought he was always like this. Just kind of a goofball weirdo? Uh, when he when I read him like much, much later on and like, uh, I think probably the next time I saw him was like Christopher Priest, a Black Panther, and he wasn't like this. I was like, oh yeah, Priest made this guy sort of tough. But he wasn't <laughs> like this before either. So it's just now. Yeah, he's a, he's he's... Kind of a, he's lost his marbles a little bit here in this story. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, you know, turned into light for a while. So that's going to, that's going to mess with you. Um, Claw, um, once he explains this sort of insane story of how he was absorbed by Dazzler and then injected into Galactus, basically. I mean, just to cut you off, it's also just insane that Galactus, uh, Dazzler took on Galactus. Oh, yeah. Dazzler that's is crazy. Um, I do not think Dazzler occupies a big place in the modern comic book imagination. Some people really love her, but it almost feels like. Ironic, right? It's like a hipster yeah. choice. Like, yeah. She, I never read, read Dazzler. Dazzler. She, she might have been great, but she wasn't like around for a hugely long time, I don't think. Though so she was one of the first, if not the first, uh, direct market comic books. Oh, interesting. And so her first issue sold gangbusters. Oh. Which sure. like proved to them like a uh, direct market was a way to go. Good for you, Dazzler.
1: Uh, uh,
0: yeah. After Claw explains the story, Doom just about faces and what <laughs> Doom wants nothing to do with him. He's not interested. He yeah. does not care about this. He just, he's yeah. walking away from him. Yeah. mid sentence and just goes enough claw be gone you are of no use to me yeah and claw <laughs> just follows him like a dog <laughs> it is i love i love claw in this claw just follows him what are you looking for and and doom answers doom doesn't just ignore him yeah knowledge, knowledge. power opportunity a way to conquer galactus and perhaps the Beyonder as well he's mm-hmm. a he's down to chat you know like doom is yeah. doom is transparent he's not hiding anything Uh, And, you know, Claw's got his advice. He's nervous that Galactus is going to notice they're there and zap them out of the ship. Uh, Doom, like, there's been a lot of recapping, but Doom sort of checks in with all the characters. We see the heroes in their village and the X Men fixing their base and the villains going back to their base. And Doom's trying to look for somebody to help him fight Galactus. And he's like, man, none of these guys can help me. Right. Uh, So then he decides to use Claw and he sends Claw through a teleporter to. To to the villain base. Right. Um, To kind of round them up. He needs their help. He promises Claw, serve me well and I shall reward you beyond your wildest dreams. Fail me and I shall destroy you. Uh, And Claw's response is, oh, Pshaw. (laughs) I am my wildest dream. I'm made of energy. And you can't create or destroy energy. Einstein said so. But I want to put a fly in Galactus's soup. Oop, 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 oop. I mean, he's fun. Yep. And then he's transported and he's still going soup oop 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 when he arrives back at villain HQ. Which what a what a bonkers entrance that would be for the villains. <laughs> uh he appears in the middle of them just going soup oop oop oop. I bring word from doom. Yeah. He immediately gives a password to like unlock Ultron or whatever, or like to he's it's like the root password or whatever for Ultron. <laughs> Yeah, so that Ultron will back up Claw's um, commands. Yeah, because Titania, who again has been a supervillain for a day, possibly, uh, is ready to kill Claw. Yeah, for trying to boss her around. I don't know what her career path was before this, but she was ready to be a supervillain like <laughs> nobody I've seen. Like she has fallen <laughs> into the role passionately. Yeah. Um, we we'd have like a one panel check in on Galactus and his machine, but then we cut back to Wasp in the swamp. And so Wasp is, like, trying to kind of calm and charm the lizard with kindness. And it works. Like and it works. She wins over the lizard very quickly. I mean, the lizard, again, is not a supervillain in the sense of, like, he should be here. <laughs> he is a mindless, like, monster. Um, I mean, he's ready to rampage at the drop of a hat. And he doesn't have a ton of planning that goes into this rampaging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his biggest plans in in Spider-Man comics is like, I'm going to tell alligators what to do. Yeah. I'm going to rip you apart, and then I'll see what I think of at that point. Yeah. Uh, But she sees that the lizard has been hurt a little bit, so she sort of patches him up uh, and, like, basically takes him by the hand and and takes care of him. She's, uh, You know what? I like this. This is a very unbeatable squirrel girl. Let's not fight with our fists. Let's help people. Um, I think because it's a Ditko character and it's foreshadowing, we can credit Squirrel Girl to Ditko. Oh, wait a minute. He did co-create S- Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Squirrel Girl is a Ditko creation. Lizard is a, a Ditko creation. It's all of Uh, this. the entire Marvel universe, uh, Kirby, I think said once that like he couldn't have done anything without Ditko. So <laughs> I believe that was, I think those very were Very common words. Kirby quote. Yeah. Yeah. A very common Kirby quote is like, yeah. Everything I created, I owe 10% to Ditko. And Stan Lee all the time would be like, I thought of nothing. Yeah. Ditko like, had Thor? the idea 100%. Kirby and I were working on Thor, and Ditko came in the room and said, Give him Maybe a hammer instead of a <laughs> nail gun. <laughs> I was, I was going to give him a paste pot, but I, we gave him a hammer on Ditko's suggestion and gave Paste Pot Pete the paste pot. And the rest is Marvel history. <laughs> Um, so we go uh, back to the where the mutants are hanging out. We check in with the X-Men. Yeah, and they're just sort of trying to fix their base. I mean, it looks like half the base is fine. I don't know what they're worried about. but Yeah, they got plenty of space left. Um, and then Professor X sort of checks in on everybody, which Doom just did. So it's weird to have another half-page vignette of where all the other characters are. But something actually happens here because when he sort of tries to invade the Enchantress, she can detect him. And she basically now knows that Professor X is snooping a little bit and kind of threatens him a little bit. Yeah, she sort of also talks down to Professor X's power a little bit, right? Yeah, your power um, is a joke. Yeah, it's, uh, you're clumsy probing. Classic um, supervillain move. Just, like, just, just generally criticize everything. But Professor X was in her mind enough to know that Doom has a plan, and so he sends Cyclops, Rogue, and Wolverine off to foil it and, and this Storm is insult mad about Storm, this. So Storm cuz she's yes. the leader, so she's not included in the plan and she's not consulted. And so she's had it and she kind of takes it up with Professor X. There's a weird exchange here where she flies in to talk to Professor X and he goes, "You wish to speak to me, Storm?" And her response is, "No, I will speak to you." Yeah, the kid w- I think I see what they're trying to do there, but they yes. kid- Yeah. You want to speak to me, I will speak to you, yeah, uh, he wasn't he was going to let you, so it doesn't you know it's a little bit of a weak entrance, but uh we'll yeah, like if it uh, was more like a uh you want to talk with me, No, I will talk to you, I think right. that would work better or something yeah. like that, anyway, uh, she's mad, and then basically Professor X threatens to mentally force her to step in line, yeah, I mean Professor X is more of a villain than a lizard, and everyone says so. <laughs> Um, Storm kind of puts up with it because it's sort of like mm -hmm. life during wartime it's sort of like they need to be united but she's not happy that's right Uh, we then shoot to the village where the heroes are and Colossus and Colossus is trying to think about Kitty Pride his uh, love interest in the X-Men books but he keeps thinking of Zaji instead yeah Uh, and she comes by to heal him a little bit and uh, he's just smitten and in love and after her little visit, and he's trying to kind of profess his love for her, the torch swings down and scoops her into the sky and kisses her. S- sings Thriller to her? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a Thriller, Thriller night. Kind of really inadvertently is, <laughs> rubs it in Colossus's face that... He's dating... Whatever her name is. Saji. Saji. Colossus' face at the bottom of that page where he's sort of just like, oh, brother. (laughs) It's a really funny... comic book, yeah. Um, Then we see the rest of the heroes, the non-injured heroes, Captain America, She-Hulk, Thing, Thor, Mr. Fantastic, and the Hulk are trying to figure out something to do with Galactus. We know Captain America is planning because he's drawing in the sand with a stick. That's right. Yeah. and uh, I feel like that's a classic Captain America trope Or a classic superhero leader trope Get a stick, draw in the sand I think that happens more I think also in action movies and stuff Just superheroes I think the Dirty Dozen I can see doing this Never um, uh, Yeah, uh, uh, She-Hulk wants to go find the Wasp Captain America doesn't care about her um, uh, So then somebody wants She-Hulk says let's go get Magneto then Captain America doesn't care about him He's all, f- he's all focused on Galactus, and the Hulk gets mad. He's like, let's just get somebody. He's getting impatient because he's becoming more monster than man. Yeah. Then there's a funny little interlude between Spider-Man and Hawkeye. Yeah, I love this. Uh, Hawkeye's making wood arrows because mm. all his high-tech arrows have been uh, taken apart to get out of the mountain. Yeah. Uh, even Spidey's conversation opener is funny. Hiya, Hawkeye. What you doing <laughs> making new arrows? I don't know. I think that's <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> it's funny it's very good it's like it sounds like what all, what else do you say to hawkeye how yeah. are the arrows it is it is that writing style that is like i don't trust the reader to know what's co- what he's doing here but i think it's pretty clear yeah uh we see uh iron man flirt with captain marvel and she doesn't take it well she doesn't like being hit on which good for her uh his uh his line is what's happening babe And she says, I'll make a deal. You call me Captain Marvel instead of Babe, and I'll call you Iron Man instead of Bozo. Uh, She's insulted, so she turns to light and flies away. But she thinks to herself, I always thought Iron Man was so sophisticated, worldly. It's as though a different man were inside that armor lately. Which is true. It's James Rhodes, not Tony Stark. And then uh, James Rhodes thinks about how he has a headache lately in the armor, which is an ongoing plot line in the Iron Man series. Uh, shooter Shooter is attending to continuity there. Yeah. Iron Man flies away with a big hut, and I think that's where we should take our break. All right, we'll take a break. We will be right back. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. I missed you guys uh, while we were away. Yeah? Yeah, I missed I missed our listeners. Yeah, that's nice to tell them that. Yeah. Let them know I they're wanted. Them. Yeah. I'm glad you guys came back. I could take your leave, you, listeners. Yeah. That's what you said during the break. <laughs> yep. Um, so, when we left our heroes, we're going back to the villains. That's right. The villains are executing up. Doom's orders given via Claw. Right. It's Titania, uh, Doc Ock, Absorbing Man, and Molecule Man. And the X Men land, and they see that the villains are up to something, and Cyclops makes the audible order to attack. Yeah, it's not all the X-Men. It's Rogue, Wolverine, and Cyclops. Right, right, right. The three X-Men who were sent. Yep. Um, uh, and this, so we get this this a little panel battle here. This panel, panel of Wolverine sort of bounding towards them is also one of the ones that I just I remember reading as a kid and just sticks with me for some reason. Oh, really? As he bounces off each of these rocks leaping forward. Yeah. Um, this is a fun fight. The X-Men are fun. And Wolverine is fun because he fights dirty. The powers are great. This is These are also fun pairings on both sides, right? Um, Doc Ock just, I mean, as much as Will hates the design for Doc Ock, he yeah. looks cool next to a couple bruisers and Molecule Man sort of hanging out in the back. Well, that's a Ditko villain, right? Like, yeah. the shapes that the bodies make are always really uh, things that, like, make for good panel composition. That being said, I don't know how he holds his legs up. He should be sort of always standing up, legs down, head up. But he, but he often looks like he is, like, got his legs back like he's flying. And that would take some core strength that I don't think Doc Ock has. His abs don't look like the kind of abs that could hold him in a plank position for that long. No. Um, Wolverine leaps at them and Titania throws a boulder at him. Uh, but it's fun. Like, seeing Wolverine get, like, walloped by something is like, well, he's got that healing power. You know, he's going to bounce right back from that. This is back when his healing power was less. Instinct? drastically powerful like he would heal from anything but it just was slow and it, it didn't seem like nowadays he gets like incinerated by a, a nuclear blast <laughs> and the next day he's up and walking around going woof <laughs> um but you know in this comic you know he's taking his lumps and he sh- he's bleeding a little bit <laughs> um the uh, battles are uh, kind of fun and um Wolverine, Wolverine makes, tries to kill Molecule Man. Yes, he does. He makes the decision to sneak up on Molecule Man and tries to murder him, which uh morally is bad, but tactically is very smart because without Molecule Man, they're very underpowered. Yeah. And also the way to get off this planet is to, to defeat the bad guys. Yeah. Um and Molecule Man's powers are terrifying, right? He lifted up a mountain range effortlessly and dropped. He it. dropped. He dropped a mountain on the heroes. Yeah, I don't know if Wolverine knows that happened, but he, it did. So, uh, but, but Cyclops is, doesn't let him do it. Cyclops zaps him. He still gets a SWAT in on Molecule Man. He like injures him rather than killing him. Right. Um, like he's his the front of him is kind of there's a gaping wound in his torso here. Yeah. So the villains like race off because they know how important Molecule Man is to Doom and they got to get him fixed up. Titania throws Wolverine like a mile. Yeah. Uh, But then an interesting thing happens, Will. So this plot point is very interesting to me. So, like, the villains are up to something. Cyclops sees that they're up to it and goes, I got to stop them from doing it. Then they investigate what they're doing. They're like, I bet they were trying to make this volcano erupt to stop Galactus. We want to stop Galactus, so I will also make this volcano erupt. <laughs> so I will do what the villains were trying to do. Just He should have just let them do it. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that, actually, as I was reading it.
1: He's like, oh, it, it makes, looks like
0: they were trying to rob a bank. You know what? It's a smart idea. Let's finish robbing this bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, So, like, he shoots his... uh concussive blast into the volcano and starts a chain reaction of volcano eruptions, which I think have zero effect on the story overall. Um, yes, but I guess it's kind of cool that Cyclops is able to start a volcano eruption. Um, Uh, yeah, we cut back to wasp and her new friend, the lizard. And she, and he has been fully charmed. He's protective of, he's like, he says he's sorry to wasp. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, a laser beam cuts right through wasp and kills her. Yeah, shoots her through, like, the chest. Um, she collapses. Uh, the lizard gets mad. This is giant red truck. This is also a vehicle that's, like, emblazoned in my memory. And maybe this is meant to be a toy. I don't know. It's just so random. It's got the um, same color as claw. And I remember thinking that whenever there's a red thing and claws in the story, that red thing is claw. But that's not true here. Yeah, I don't think I knew that about claw at this point. So it definitely didn't strike me. Um this machine then like picks up the lizard, but also zaps him with a stasis ray that whoever's driving, one of the wrecking crew is driving going, this thing's got a stasis ray. Doc Ock showed me how to work it. Yeah. Like this whole section feels very like Marvel method. Yeah. Like, yeah. Draw the cool, draw here. the cool thing and then let the person writing the word balloons, figure out what's going on. Yeah. And maybe also that last sequence with uh, Cyclops was also Marvel method. Like why did he blow up the volcano? I don't know. <laughs> Um, so the wasp seems to be dead. I say seems to be just because in comic books you never are totally sure. That's right. But they're talking about her corpse. The lizard says, you killed the woman. And now the big red tank machine has like, you know, is removing a section of the earth as a big disc to take back like a science sample. It looks cool. But there's also a weird line where they say, uh, 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 what is it? Um, uh Uh, because Claw said Doom, said we should. That's why they're getting the lizard. I suppose he figures we'll need more muscle for the big showdown. Doom does not need the lizard. It's weird that this was part of Doom's plan, like, go find the lizard. Yeah. That also makes no sense story-wise. Right. Um, But I guess if you're reading Secret Wars, you are rooting for the heroes and villains to like group up. So anytime that happens, you don't question it. You're like, yeah, of course we got to see him fight. So they got to get together. It feels to me like they forgot to draw a lizard after the first fight. (laughs) And this was trying to get him back into the story just so they don't like lose him on this planet. Um, Um, Then we come to the end of this issue and Galactus is still busily readying his planet eating machine, or we assume that's what it is. It looks very similar to the one he built on the Baxter building. Yep. Um, and the heroes are sort of just watching him cause they don't know what else to do. There's a funny line from she Hong. She says, say the word cap and I'll go up there and beat the heck out of his ankle. <laughs> right. Uh, and so they're kind of for the moment, they don't know what to do, but then the cliffhanger of this, uh, issue is there is a mysterious shadowy figure lurking, watching the heroes. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. We don't, we don't know who she is. um, yeah, that's and the it end be, of issue six. we will be zipping past the issue that reveals who she is. Yeah, I had that's forgotten so. about that character totally. Um, spoiler alert, it's Spider-Woman. Yeah, I but did not Spider- even remember. Woman. It's a yeah. second Spider-Woman. It's a, a Julia Carpenter, or Julie Carpenter? Julia Carpenter, I believe. Not Jessica uh, Drew. Not Jessica Drew. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about her next time. There's not much to say. She doesn't really serve a huge purpose in this story. Um, but we get a lot of Spidey stuff in the next two issues. There's Spider-Woman and the new Spidey costume shows up. But again, the, it's another new character that's being invented. Like they created two new villains. Here's a new hero that's been created. I dig it. I dig shooter creating. I wonder if that's probably because he couldn't do anything too much to the regular heroes. Like he largely left them untouched. I guess he doesn't really do anything to these characters either. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. That would make know. sense of like those characters showed up and some get crazy or something. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just like now there's more things to play with in the Marvel universe. Um, Shooter definitely has that Kirby energy, like just throw a million ideas against the wall. Yeah. Uh, what do you right, think well, of this issue, Will? I mean, I'm I'm really loving it. I'm just, it's, I'm surprised how fun it is. Like there's logic holes all over the place. <laughs> there's no subtlety in the dialogue. Um, but it does, things happen and they happen fast. And there is a big focus on the <laughs> heroes and villains using their powers in fun ways. And, uh, I take it, you know, as a superhero fan, I like it. We've got a bunch of emails. Well, let's read them. Okay. Wait, what, what did you think of this issue, Kevin? You're the one who I actually did it. Uh, you, I, I didn't like it. it. Wow, I found it offensive um, to my imagine. sensibilities as a fan of entertainment. Wow. Didn't see that and as a fan of, Human beings, I find you, it insulting. You picked Secret Wars. We're doing also like the way they treat volcanoes is disrespectful to volcanoes, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. Volcana, the the human being. They treat her okay. I mean, actually, they don't. They call her fat a lot. Yeah. Do you notice that? Uh, one of the uh, is it Absorbing Man who does it? One of the characters does that. There's a couple times that she's called fat or 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 uh, or things like that. Yeah. First of all, she's not drawn. She's not, she's not drawn like she's fat, yeah. She's not drawn. I think fat hag is one of the words that's used. Yeah. It is. and it's it's so mean. It's yeah. that that really uh, those were when that kind comes up I'm like I don't even like this even though it's meant to be mean and meant to be like these are bad guys saying bad things. I'm like I don't like it. I don't want it in there anyway. Yeah. Uh and also she's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh very weird. Very those were very weird moments. I liked it. I like this issue. And th- these two issues are probably, even though I, I have lots of memories of this issue, probably, this is my least favorite pairing, I think, of the 12 we're going through. Um, It's a lot of recapping and just like checking in on everyone and moving pieces slightly. Yes, I think that's true. I don't. I don't feel like the main story got advanced too much. Although no. Wasp has been killed, possibly. Like there's some big, there's some big soap opera. D- Colossus fell in love. There's lots of fun little moments. I love Wasp and the Lizard hanging out. I think that's yeah. really cool. I, th- I love Claw. Like I said, I think he's a blast. <laughs> so there's good stuff for sure. Um, okay. So first we had an email from Tony Labra, who I said, I mentioned, had emailed just to send me a screen cap of a uh, pile driver calling Molecule Man a milksop. So thank you for that, Tony. Uh, then we have an email from Ted Fair. Hi Kevin and Will, thanks for the podcast. It has inspired me greatly. I've jumped back into comics and rediscovered what I loved about them. I hear that every now and then from our fans. Well, I love it. I love that we're getting people to read again. Yes, thank you. Uh, I first or read. I guess, Secret, oh. I guess you're welcome. <laughs> That's better. Uh, I first read Secret Wars when it was released and remember viscerally hating it, mm. particularly in comparison to DC's Crisis. Over the years, when someone would say comics, ugh, or ugh, comics, I would assume they had accidentally stumbled upon an issue of Secret Wars in a dentist's office. (laughs) Uh, I've kind of felt that way about many of the books you have covered. I'd always found the early Spider-Man issues to be virtually unreadable. I now accept that Ditko was an amazing person. Likewise, the Hulk. I could not flow with them at all. Mortal Hulk, so good. And Sandman, while I knew they were great books, I could not find any connection to the characters. This one still doesn't work for me at all, but love the podcast i wonder why we're covering only books he hates right i mean unless he's the world's biggest justice league international fan we've covered nothing that he likes it seems like we've won him over somewhat to these things uh so secret wars i was really looking forward to how your passion humor and and good looks oh we're going to clash with another of my comic foes i have to say secret wars is incredibly readable it clips right along as a no doubt fun Yes, there are memory many moments when I wanted to shoot myself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. But I jumped in and wrote it like a water slide. I also reread Crisis for the first time in 30 years. While pretentious and pretty hard to read, it gives you so much to play with. As a kid, I remember reading it and feeling inspired. George Perez drew like he loved the page. There was just so much to see. I poured my eyes over those pages forever, and seeing the panels again was like rem- remembering a past life. Likewise, all the history and narrative density. It made me want to learn more, draw more, and read more. Reading Secret Wars now makes me want to play more. I'm glad that somewhere along the way I picked up the ability to appreciate that skill too. Okay, that's enough for me. Claw is awesome, and this book is a must-read for his storyline alone. Ted. Uh, um, I, mean, I think that's not unfair. Like, no. um, um, I have not reread Crisis recently. So I do remember kind of being bored by it as a kid, but... Also, I did respect it. I could tell that it was, like, well-made, but I wasn't, like, psyched to read it. I reread Crisis last year because uh, the CW DC shows did their Crisis show, and so it made me want to reread Crisis, and it, the first few issues are so boring, and then it gets pretty good, but there's no question it is beautiful. George Perez is the artist, and so it's just mm-hmm. every page is a knockout. It is so good. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, does he re- draw it all? I think he does. Um, I know he didn't draw all of Infinity War, but whatever. His art is so good and so detailed and everybody looks great and everybody looks right. Um, there's no question. I mean, I like Mike Zach a lot, but there's no question. Crisis looks better. Right. Um, um, the CW Crisis, by the way, a blast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It starts with a Robert Wool from the Batman universe. Uh, in, in his character? As the character from the original Batman movie getting wiped off of reality, as his as his universe gets erased. Oh wow! Uh, they 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 have lots of little cameos from characters who, um, uh, played uh, these characters in movies or TV shows. All sort of like like Burt Ward shows up for a really weird one. There was a Birds of Prey show for one season, and they show up. It's all stuff like that, and it's so much fun. What a smart way to play the crisis game in t- in a TV show. Yeah. It's, it's really silly and really fun. And then like, you know, also there's like five different shows on CW alone to mix together. So it works. Good job guys. Uh, great. Next email. Uh, Dean Spencer. Right. Uh, Did I miss one? No. Uh, hi brothers. Hines. How are you faring? Good. You boys have said a few times you have certain comics and collected editions. Are you avid collectors? Do you have as many uh, do you have many and do you have a preferred collected format? Um, how do you choose what you will buy over another when you can only afford one item and not both? Are there any other things you collect toys stamps, wheat cakes and or cucumber sandwiches? <laughs> Enjoying your show is always Dean. Uh, will- well, I mean, I'm Kevin is far more uh, voracious, a comic book reader than me, like by a long shot, like, when we were kids, we both, and at the time the secret wars came out, we both equally were reading comics, I think, and maybe me even a little more just because I was older and stuff, but like Kevin basically never stopped and has continually read comics expanding. And, and I, and I became sort of a dabbler, um, you know, sort of a now and then fair weather friend to comics, really. Although I would go deep on some series that I loved like Sandman or love and rockets or something. But, um, so for me, I, I go to the comic shop like three times a year and I buy only collected editions uh, of stuff that I have heard of multiple times, or if there's like a reboot or something of a character that I love from a kid from when I was like, if there's, if Neil game is doing a Sandman thing, which he's done a small handful of, I would buy that, um, and it's yeah it's almost it's almost always collected stuff and I I've, I've read a little bit online um but not not too, you know I re- like Marvel Unlimited I used to read all of Walt Simonson's Thor out of curiosity That's me Yeah I'm not a collector in the sense that I don't care about um I'm not reselling these books I'm not uh getting them CGC graded and trying to flip them for a buck You're not a um, completist for collections sake I don't care about like uh uh Uh, Having a complete set of a run or something, I'm not going to keep buying a comic even though it's bad because I bought earlier issues. Um, I tend to follow creators that I like, writers I like, and artists I like um, more than characters. Um, When I used to go to comic book shops, there'd be books I'd be getting just every week because I was enjoying them. And then I would flip through books that looked interesting. And if it looked good, I'd buy an issue. And if I liked it, I'd keep buying it. Uh, that was the nice thing about going into a shop is I could like read a few pages and sort of like, Hey, you know what? There's something here. I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll spend the three bucks. Uh, now what I do is I'll buy it digitally and read it. Uh, generally it'll be because I've read a good review or it has a cool art style. If it's not a creator, I already know. Um, then I don't buy print things unless I think it's something I'm going to read numerous times. If I think I'm going to read this once, maybe twice, it's, I can't spend, I just don't have room. But if I think like, oh, uh, this is something I will read perennially, I will buy it. Uh, so like I just bought the new Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Reckless collection, um, which is their new series of original graphic novels. Uh, and I just, I love everything these guys do. And I'm very excited to read like this 150 page solid story that they wrote. I haven't read it yet, but it looks good. Uh, so that's how I do it. I don't really collect anything else. Um, I've bought action figures in the past. I still buy them once in a while, but again, not as like a collector, not as I keep them safe, but just as like, Oh, I want to put this on my shelf. And I have maybe a a, a dozen that I bought in the last, uh, f- 10 years. Yeah. There's nothing else that I like collect. I, I just do stuff because I'm interested in it. And so mm-hmm. if I'm interested enough, I temporarily look like a collector. Cause I'll be like voraciously devouring, like Sony video games like I'm doing now but I'm I'm not someone who feels the need to get like everything of something uh, our next email is from Jacob uh, Balcom Balcom uh, hey Will and Kev not sure if you've seen this yet well you're going to love this but Captain Milksop was a real character in Red Band Comics number one from November of 1944 what? It was published in, by the small rural rural home publishing, and you can read all of his exciting adventures on the public domain comic site Comic Book Plus. Uh, he sent me a page, uh, uh, a splash page from <laughs> Captain Milksop, and it looks uh, kind of awesome. <laughs> it's like this. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh mortimer ex mortimer uh, is his identity and he's like, like sitting at a desk dusting a vase he's got like a little charlie Chaplinish, uh or like a like a thinner charlie chaplin mustache and round glasses he looks thinning hair the scrawny dude looks like a real wimp and he's dreaming of being kept milk stuff, which seems to be just him in pajamas <laughs> and a, a sleeping cap um <laughs> that's so his fantasy that's his fantasy. <laughs> uh, and he's being yelled at by his boss. So I, and he, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. No idea what Milksop's powers are, but I'm going to for sure look this up and read it. <laughs> uh, I, also, I also didn't know about that public domain site. That's kind me of Me neither. Yeah, I'm going to look into it. Uh, I'll forward this to you, Will, as well. Uh, so far I'm loving the Secret Wars season as that series loomed large in my early childhood. Keep up the great works. I've been listening faithfully since the episode on Amazing Spider-Man 11 and don't plan on quitting anytime soon. Uh, now let me just forward this to you, Will, right now so everyone can hear me do that. Um, I'm glad he's not planning on quitting anytime soon. It would be funny if he was and he let us know. I am planning uh, on quitting soon. <laughs> uh, Tim Burns emails us his... Um, Subject is Milk Sop Swap. Uh, Hi, Kevin and Will. I love Secret Wars a lot, and I'm very excited to hear you guys talk about it. I think it's one of the most successful attempts at a full-blown event comic, even if it is goofy and weird. I was wondering if you guys are familiar with any of the attempts at crossovers, mostly in the 90s, between Marvel and DC, like Amalgam Comics. I read recently that there were efforts made to temporarily trade characters across companies. From what I read, we got very close to She-Hulk in the DC universe and Martian Manhunter jumping over to the Marvel universe. It never happened, of course, but it sounds like just the kind of hypothetical comics fans love and people love to ask you on the show. If you could swap two characters across universes, who would be the most interesting or fun to see? Probably between Marvel and DC, since that matches the real world event we almost had, even though I'd kill to see the Punisher swap swap places with Schroeder from Peanuts. Huh. Thanks again for a great podcast, Tim Burns. Uh, I had not heard about this She-Hulk Martian Manhunter switch. She Hulk makes sense to send over to DC because there's already a Hulk. Uh Martian Manhunters a, I guess because there's already a Superman. So they kinda do make some sense. It would be that would be a weird thing to do. I can't yeah. imagine it happening. I mean, I, I feel like there's two general ways you do this. You either swap Spider Man and Superman, your two sort of the faces of the the universes, and, what a just, sort of, and just sort of see how it goes. Um, trade Joe DiMaggio for Ted Williams. Yeah, you you trade your premier guys and like I don't know. Also, they're both good characters. They have good stories. Yeah. Or um, you could do mid level trade like you could trade like Daredevil for um, I don't know who's a Wonder Woman or something like like a premier thing, but not like your number one. I mean, Wonder Woman's pretty high. I probably should go. Yeah. There. Green Lantern. Let's say Daredevil for Green Lantern. Um. Or you go like, "Eh, we're not doing anything with this person." You know what I mean? Like Agatha yeah. Harkness for <laughs> Ambush Bug or something like that. I mean, who Ambush would Bug you, would be great. Who would you want to see from the DC universe in Marvel universe? So Batman. <laughs> yep. All right. I, I want to see Batman like get the Marvel treatment. I guess he has though. You know, he's there's been enough different types of stories about Batman that. Mm-hmm. Whatever, like, kind of mode you want, you can find. Yeah. So that's no good. Uh, Okay, I got it. Dr. Fate.
1: This is Um, my final
0: answer. Okay. Because I think he's got powers and he's interesting, but maybe his mythology can be better fleshed out. From what I've read, there's probably been some, I think you even mentioned to me, there's a Dr. Fate series that's really good, but I haven't read it. That I like. I I don't know what other people think of it. Yeah. Um, I would bring the question. Uh, I think it would be fun to lurk in the shadows of the Marvel universe. I mean, he's just fun anywhere. I mean, especially as done yeah. in the Justice League cartoon. Uh, and if I was going to send somebody from, I mean, I'd want to send Spider-Man to the DC universe cause he'd be the most interesting to follow around, but I'm assuming Marvel won't let me do that. So I would probably, I think, you know, my second choice would probably be like the thing, which would be crazy as well. Yeah. But sort of like a guy who kind of just rolls with what's happening. How about someone who maybe didn't get their due like the invisible woman or something like that, or like give them a chance to shine away from, away from their, the constraints of their continuity. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know who that, I don't know who I'd feel. I don't know. I picked my, I picked my answer as well. Get off my back. <laughs> I mean, the weird thing about this hypothetical is like, what are we really saying? Like, I think what you have to, here, here's how I would, I can't believe I'm still talking about it. I know we're ready to move on, but if, the way I analyze this question is I, I ascribe a sensibility to each company. So Marvel, I make the soap, the Ditko. It's the Mm -hmm. Ditko sensibility. The like, you know, real world problems, Mm -hmm. soap opera, neurotic, flawed characters. Marvel, of course, does not always live up to that, but that's what I'm going to make Marvel. And DC, I'm going to make the epic heroes journey. They're like, no doubt about it, good guys and bad guys. Um, In a a good way, like square jawed, uh, you know, uh, guardians against pure evil. Okay. And so to make it the most interesting switch, you have to take the most unlikely person and trade them. The one who fits the least. I mean, that goes back to Spider-Man and Superman then that fit their archetypes the best. Okay. Yeah. So I go back to my original answer, but now I have better logic. I can show my work a little better. Yeah, I mean, I also don't think that's as true as it once. It still feels like that's true, but I think both comic universes have sort of just become the same. They yes, sort of right, right, uh, gravitated towards just like telling superhero stories. Yeah, uh, what I just said is probably more true in like 1964, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, thank you for the email. Thanks for the email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bernie Lockhart asks, are you guys Moon Knight fans? Speaking of a Batman character, uh, if you've read some of his stuff, what's your favorite run for him? He's more than just Marvel Batman, damn it. Whoops, sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) says Bernie Lockhart. I have not read much Moon Knight. I read a little bit uh, when Warren Ellis did it and then uh, Jeff Lemire, I think, did a short run. I read those. Uh, he's never grabbed me He's never I've never been pulled in Even though I know There's some runs That people really love There was some 80s run Was it J.M. DeMattis Did he do a Moon Knight run Someone I did a Moon Knight did run I yes. '80s. Well, he that did was Moon like... Shadow he Oh that's what Moon I'm Night. thinking of He might have also done Moon Knight It seems like a book That J.M. DeMattis did. I was Natties absolutely thinking Of Moon Shadow it had nothing to do With Moon Knight I, I don't know <laughs> I never read Moon Knight I don't know Yeah uh, But it's very popular With a small segment They're going to make it A TV show So good for you Bernie <laughs> Let us know what you think, Uh, Bernie. And thank you for emailing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jamie Mass emails. Hey, Milk I just wanted to send this quick note to thank you. Thank you both for the incredible work that you put into the podcast. I know more than anything it's a labor uh, of love for you, but I appreciate it nonetheless. I've been listening since the beginning. Honestly, can't remember how I found it other than perhaps just looking for new content on my podcast addict app. And I know that you think most of your audience is likely to be hardcore comic readers. I am not. Hmm. In fact, I wrote to you previously, I think, on Instagram about trying to get into it around your reference of a hardcover Spider-Man comics. I haven't executed on that. But now that my twins, boy and girl, just over two years, are voracious readers, I wanted to start getting them and uh, vicariously through them, me, into comics. I'm pretty up to date on the pod. Looking forward to hearing more about Secret Wars. Just listening to the preview episode, I was intrigued by the Sandman season. You both intrigued me with the books you picked, which I know is part of the point. Uh, My challenge is I know how much content is out there. I understand that most people just jump into these things head first, but the completionist in me makes it hard to start in the middle. That's been my greatest hangup. We tried borrowing comics from the library, which was nice, but didn't quite hold up with the pandemic and the aforementioned personal annoyance. (laughs) All this is to ask wondering if you could offer some ideas of where I could start with the twins. I hope that the recommendations will get the ball rolling in the building of our own collection. I hope you're both doing well. With, you know, the world, Jamie. Um, yeah, uh, so I have a four-year-old that I want to read comics. Um, and, I mean, I I, can't, I don't know what I would have done it to. Basically, what I did is I got him kids' books of superhero stuff. I got him, like, a flip-flap, uh, a flap-reveal superhero book where, like, you lift up the flap of Spider-Man and see what he's doing underneath the flap. Um. And then I gave him some superhero toys. And when he started watching a little bit of TV, I, I made him basically watch some superhero cartoons. I was like, let's watch one of these and you can watch whatever you want um, to get him hooked on them. Uh, and then he he will now flip through some of my comic books. And he's always interested in asking who characters are. Uh, and he's starting to read now. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I don't know if he'll end up being a big comic book reader. I mean, if he is, he's in a house filled with them. So he's in a good place. He definitely will like superheroes though. I think that's definitely going to happen uh, partially just because they're on every television channel and movie theater. Um, But also just because I think he, he digs them. Uh, So I don't know. And there's not necessarily like, especially if you're like looking for kid friendly stuff, um, you either have outdated old stuff like the Stanley, uh, Ditko Kirby stuff that is kid-friendly but sort of kind of cheesy and old-fashioned or you have the current stuff which I don't think is kid-friendly and the kid-friendly stuff isn't kept in uh print as well Uh, otherwise I'd be like get Batman Adventures comic books but there aren't really many of those or um uh get like an all-ages Spider-Man book but there's not really many of those not as an ongoing so I don't know what the answer is uh I'd say start with the cartoons and then let them slip into the comic book later. So screen time is my answer. Yeah, I don't have kids, but it seems to me just watching my nephew that like TV shows the way into their imagination, and then they'll be curious enough to want to read later. Yeah, if he, if I mean, even, like, you know, we we I started from looking at a board game. Of Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. And then the Marvel superhero lunchbox. Like just the images of these people in costume. That's what I remember being intrigued by. I wanted to know the story behind the Fantastic Four based on a drawing of them. It wasn't, the book did not come first. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you got to get them hooked. If you, you want them to read superhero comics, you got to get them hooked on superheroes. We don't know. Uh, and every kid's different, unfortunately, too. Yeah. Just get the uh, most violent issues of Sandman and see how they handle it. Just get it the most... Spawn, Spawn issue 231. <laughs> get the That's Nom good- <laughs> issue 3. <laughs> um, Get the uh, pre-EC got, code war comics from Wally Wood. Uh, we've got two more emails, Well, I know we're going long. Uh, we got time for it? Yes. Okay, this one's from Justin. He had a long one for us last episode. I'm going to read two of his points in this uh, Justin episode. Justin Bridge? Yes. Uh, um, you and will discuss the villains briefly initially not counting galactus who was in a total separate weight class most of the villains are the standard grade jobber bad guys okay maybe not standard grade but they weren't all that deep dr doom kang molecule man and ultron and later claw are all avengers level villains in their own right Uh, i found it odd that they practically write two of them out of the book immediately making molecule man a quiet cowardly man and turning ultron into a paperweight. And then, as you see later, they neuter Kang by killing him pretty quickly and making Claw insane. And that is very true. Uh, My question, would the book have been better had they added bigger bad guys to Doom Kang at all? Or if they'd gone the other way and added more of the fun but less world danger villains, i.e. Hobgoblin, Mr. Hyde, Cobra, Crimson Dynamo, Abomination... Personally, I think it would have been a more compelling story to stack the story with the world-class villains and see how it shook out from there. Doom, Kang, MODOK, Ultron, Nihilist, The Leader, Mandarin, Red Skull, Baron Zemo, etc. Um, any thoughts? And we talked a little bit about this last episode, right, Will? Yeah, I mean, Justin's laying out an appealing case. Having all those powerhouses together does sound intriguing, but... I guess for my money, pick the best. I don't think they did this either, but pick the best characters, like story wise. Pick the richest. Like, The Thing is a more interesting superhero than, you know, Doctor Strange to me, even though Doctor Strange is probably more powerful, but The Thing has a more compelling personality. Mm-hmm. So, I would his deal with mentioning that. of Hobgoblin makes me wish Hobgoblin was there for this reason because Hobgoblin was a character who wasn't like a conquer the world type. He was just like a a gangster, right? He would be so out of place. This is not the thing. Like he's not sort of like, "Oh, I want all the I want the power of beyonder." He'd be like, "What am I doing here?" And he'd be a fun counterpart to like Spider-Man and Hawkeye making arrows and sort of clinging to the side while the big guns are making plans. He'd be like, wow. I don't want to be with these guys. I yeah, don't want to be like trying to scoop up a handful crew. of diamonds in case he gets back to earth so he can fence them or something like that. Uh, and that'd be a fun, it'd be interesting to have a character like that kind of on the side. who's like, I don't really want to be a part of this. I am a villain, but this is not my scene. <laughs> I think that'd be really interesting. I think, yeah, just, I, I think the problem with the story and I love the wrecking crew, but it's the wrecking crew take up like half the team and they're all kind of the same guy. Right. And even the absorbing man who, as you said, has also a ball and chain, like one of the wrecking crew, um, makes it seem like there's even more of them. And then Titania feels like she could be on the wrecking crew. There's just a bunch of like strong dudes, uh, and without much to separate them. And so I kind of wish there was a little more variety in the characters. I guess the good side of what shooter picked is that even though you have a, so many characters, there's only a few, that you want to pay attention to. Yeah. Like I you don't, don't need, need to know what the absorbing man is thinking every issue. And you don't need to have like Baron Zemo and the leader and doom fighting for control of the team, which is what those characters would do. Right. Like none of them you would be, be honest led. to their nature. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, at least you avoid that aspect of it. Um, he then asks this question I think is interesting, especially when, uh, I read our next email as well. Uh, if they redid this version of secret wars now, Who do you think they'd keep from the original and replace? Um, So, like, which characters would just be out? And are there any characters you think for sure would be in? I mean, Deadpool would probably be in. Like, you just have to go with, like, your popular big names. Yeah, I think Miss Marvel would be in. uh, Yeah, Miss Marvel. um, Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, the movies changed everything. Like, Iron Man would be a way bigger part of the story. Yes. Um, Spider-Man would still be there. Yeah, he never goes away. You're never getting rid of Spidey. You might not need the FF. Yeah, you don't need the FF. You'd probably be the first to go. Um, although they fit so well in a cosmic universe fight. Yeah. But you don't need it. A- they, they do feel like B list characters to the Avengers and Spider Man and the X Men. Yeah. Uh, he, he mentions Venom also would probably be there. Right. And that's a, he's right. Venom would be there now. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know if you have the Wrecking Crew, but maybe you do. I just. I don't know what villains really. Uh, I mean, villains. I forgot the Wrecking Crew were in Secret Wars. I <sighs> doubt you would need to keep them. Or I don't think you'd offend anybody by leaving them out. Uh, you can't leave out a pile driver though. You got to at least have him there. <laughs> More Lockjaw. Lockjaw isn't Inhuman. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get the Inhumans in this. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a good answer for this. I think it's interesting. I'd love to know what people would. What a modern Secret Wars would be. I think it's largely the same though for the heroes. I mean. I'd say most of those characters have stood the test of time. Uh, You know, not Wasp as much, but like uh, most of those Avengers and Spider-Man, even Hawkeye is like still a big deal. So uh, I don't think it changes that much. These are still the guys that show up to most events. Like Daredevil doesn't show up that much to the big crossover uh, events. The Guardians of the Galaxy would probably be there. Yeah, Oh, that's right. Yeah, they'd probably... Uh, and then probably some of those uh, not Thanos himself but you probably get Nebula as a villain or things like that to show up Um, our last email comes from Maxwell Bank Uh, Max Bank yeah Max Bank uh, from uh, Improv in New York good friend of mine I like Max a lot from WGIS world's greatest improv school Uh, oh he does that too there you go man he does a ton of it Uh, uh, Max's cherished friends is how he starts his email very nice (laughs) I started listening to this podcast in November and it's really been helping with the pandemic blues. Your in-depth discussion of comic book issues, especially when you go panel by panel, are always so interesting and often send me to the internet to learn more and or see if you guys were making it up. (laughs) Parentheses, Ditka will always be the creator of Daredevil's red costume to me. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to share my favorite fact about Marvel's Secret Wars. Of every line and dialogue in the entire series, only 14 lines end in a period. (laughs) Dune gets 10 (laughs) professor x gets three and doc ock gets one (laughs) Uh, that's very stan lee that's very stan Stan lee did all exclamation points he never used a period his whole life yeah if it wasn't a question it was an exclamation Mm -hmm. uh fortunately this audacious use of punctuation didn't ruin an otherwise subtle and understated story for me (laughs) uh I do have a broad thought experiment for you guys. Let's say it's 1966. The Vietnam War is raging. John (laughs) Lennon boldly declares that the Beatles are bigger than Jesus, and the hit TV show The Flintstones ends its initial run. But in a sleepy hamlet called New York City, Stanley has just realized that the Marvel Universe is turning five years old and wants to celebrate with a bold crossover event called Marvel's Secret Wars. What does the 1966 version of such a crossover look like? Who's cast from the smaller Marvel universe? Does Stan Lee write it with Kirby on the pencils or does he toss it to Ditko to try and keep him around? Uh, Do our Dramatis Personae travel to Battleworld to fight the beyond or do they keep their Mishigas in a tri-state area? Is this bloated question too broad and vague to be reasonably answered on a podcast? I'll take my answer off the air. Sorry, Max, we're doing it on the air. Um, Again, I think this, I can imagine Stan doing this. Easily. And um, it would be his favorite characters at the center, like the Silver Surfer would somehow be in the Beyonder role.
1: Yes, like and there weren't
0: s- as many characters. Ant Man would be there if it was five years in, right? Yes, uh, um, or Namor. I mean, it would be it would be like the FF would come close to this. The, this this would this would be a Lee Kirby joint, I think. Kirby would be one hundred percent the person he chooses for something like this. This is a cosmic thing. Um. Which would probably keep like Doctor Strange out of it, but he'd he'd still have Spider Man because Spider Man's too big not to have there. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't be a Ditko. Th- it wouldn't be a. I'd, he wouldn't give it to Ditko. I mean, what I'd love is like a Kirby thing with like a Ditko, uh, one issue by Ditko of kind of like a side adventure. Uh, that'd be my dream version of it, but that wouldn't happen. It would be like a six issue. It it would it would be like a. F- it'd be an annual, is what it would it'd be, be an annual. This is like what he would do for an annual. These kind of yeah. things. It'd be a one issue story. Uh, at most, it would be three issues. I do think... He I'm couldn't gonna, get 12 issues out of this. You know, it, it's so easy to make fun of Stan and his, like, outrageousness. Um, and especially when you're trying to counteract how over-credited he is in the mainstream press. It's real easy and tempting to slag on Stan. But I think this is actually his wheelhouse. and he It's would right pro- in, yeah. He would... Probably do it really well and he would he would think of something fun to be the hook. It would be more than just throw him in an arena and make him fight. It would be like a wedding. Especially like, with Kirby involved. Yeah, I th- and I think he might do something kind of earnestly speaking to good and evil. You know? Like the the one time that Kirby and Lee would kind of drop all pretenses whenever they would go after Nazis. Like they they were like, this is the ultimate evil is like Nazis. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be some kind of hate monger type of villain and, and good guys and bad guys must unite against the larger evil would be like the general arc. Yeah. Like and, then, doom like, and, and Reed then, fighting together to stop, you know, whatever with a last minute betrayal by doom. Probably. Yeah. I can see that. I think, I think doom would be less the focus under Stan, I think the heroes would be the focus, rightfully so. Reed would be the focus, or maybe Thor, um, uh, with Spider-Man right there up, up with them. Uh, again, I don't think the characters change that much. The X-Men aren't there, or if they are there, uh, you know, the original X-Men are less of, you know, like. But well, I, I think they probably just wouldn't come. Um, you'd probably don't bring the X-Men. I mean, he'd probably bring everybody. The universe was small enough. Why not just bring them all, at least for a tiny bit? Yeah. Um, but if you if you left anyone behind, then you'd leave the X-Men Strange and Daredevil behind. Right. Uh, uh, you're bringing the Avengers, you're bringing Spider-Man, and you're bringing the FF. FF and Spider-Man for sure. They're the heart of the Marvel Universe at that, that time. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I like that we had a question asking what would Secret Wars be like if it happened today for the first time? And what yeah. would it be like if it happened in 66 for the first time? I and think, I think that's one of the nice things about this series is that it is such a simple idea. It's like you can kind of imagine it happening whenever. Yeah. And there's not I, much story to it. So it's just like, man, eh, they all th- show up on a planet and fight. I think Stan and Jack would have crushed it. I think it would be so fun. I think it would be remembered even more i mean i think the secret wars would still have happened it would be but it'd be like a retread of the original story like let's yeah. go back to battle world it, it really is more of a stan lee idea than a jim shooter idea i'm actually sort of surprised he didn't he kind of did it with the ff's wedding with reed and sue yeah but that was just sort of like a bunch of villains attacking this idea of like all that the got wiped out it didn't count like the watcher undid it all the heroes lining up against all the villains in like a three issue war would be really cool. I mean, they didn't do limited series then. So it's just like, I don't know where it would happen, but like if he was, if he pulled it off, it's like, uh, I think it'd be cool. I think it would have been great. <laughs> I wish I, I wish it existed. I'm going to go to dreams library and read it. Uh, that's our last email. Well, uh, thank you, Max. And, uh, thanks everyone who emailed us. You can email us by sending, sending stuff to screw it. at gmail. Uh, we also have a Twitter and an Instagram account, which is Screw it Comics. Please check those out. And, uh, yeah, email us your thoughts on Secret Wars or comic books or, or uh, any anything even close. Yeah, uh, we are through the halfway point, Will. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm really glad we're doing it. It's really fun. Six more issues. Uh, next week we do issues seven and eight. That means Spidey's black costume. Ooh, can't wait. All right. See you then. Bye, everybody. Screw it, screw it. We're just talk about- Comics. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the rom com review podcast, P.S. I Love Rom com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom com, grand gestures, meet cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boom box over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire. Campfire.